Emory of Jared Ocean, and today we're going to learn the after of Parshat Bechukotai. Page 1443. <coughs> <coughs> it's from the book of Jeremiah. Parshat Bechukotai is a very interesting parsha. First of all, it's the last parsha of the book of Leviticus. This week, the synagogues will complete the book of Leviticus. You know, when you complete a book, we announce Chazak, Chazak, we need Chazak, let's be strong, it takes strength. Can you translate Chazak, Chazak, we need Chazak? It's impossible to translate this statement. Yeah, I've just heard be strong, be strong. Yeah, there's more than There's no translation for this line. In any case, that you're all invited for the announcement. In some synagogues, in Shabbos of Chazak, there is an extra kugel for the Kiddush. <laughs> you will not have an extra, but you know, you can, you can count on our, on our Kiddush here, that it's going to be good. It's going to be actually a very good Kiddush. And uh, I, somehow I overheard the conversation, looks good. <laughs> um, but the parsha starts with blessings. May I do it on one point lower? The parsha starts with blessings if you will go in my commands, if you walk, if you, if you walk in my commands and you will learn the Torah and you will observe the mitzvahs, I will give you rain and I will give you good and we give peace to the land. And that's an amazing blessing. And then it takes a turn. And if not, this will happen to you, and this will happen to you, and this will happen to you. Terrible curses. That's the parsha. Now the Torah has to connect to, has to be a continuation of the parsha. Where is in the Torah the Parsha? What's the connection between the Torah and the Parsha? You'll see it. It speaks about, starts with good, then speaks about the bad of the Jewish people, doing what will happen to them. It's a similar concept. But as we will see, there is much more that if you learn Hasidus, you can see how the connection between the Parsha and the Torah are so clear and so going end and end. Then the Aftorah starts, as usually Aftorah starts, with a good beginning. More important, Aftorah finished a good end. Because really the job of the Aftorah was to comfort the Jewish people. That was the job. And therefore we are not here to, to scream at them and to yell at them. But from time to time there is some piece of it goes in also. <laughs> then here the Aftorah doesn't start on chapter 17. It starts from the end of chapter 16 because you want to start with something good. And then continues into the more uh, nitty-gritty stuff and ends, uh, ends again in a good way. But there is some very important messages of this of Torah. Then let's start reading it. We'll get into it and we'll find ourselves in. God, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in times of trouble, one day nations will come to you from the ends of the <coughs> earth and they will say, our ancestors inherited idols as gods, but they are false futility that has no purpose. Could a man possibly make a God when he himself is not a God? Okay, he says, God is my strength and my, and my stronghold, my salvation, and my refuge in times of trouble. That's what Jeremiah says, that's what he says, Hashem Muziu Muzi. It's a very comforting statement. And he says, from all over, when Moshiach will come, from all over the world will come, to, and they will say, our father's teacher told us false. They gave us some other idols that they are not nothing. 
and uh, we, we want to have the real thing. And what are you going to say in number 20? Could a man possibly make a God and he himself is not God? Isn't this the uh, section of the Elenu that got uh, eliminated in the Middle Ages because the Christians thought that we were talking about them, even though it's a direct quote from Jeremiah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the, you're talking about Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is not for me. Uh, yeah, a little bit, yes. There is more, probably more more clear con, uh, statements from ja, quotes that was quoting the Oleno than just the, just this. In any case, what is he saying? Can a man make God when he is himself not God? A simple language. You want to you want to make God? How could how could a person who is who is just a limited human being make God? It's a, it's, I mean. It's even a joke. It's not even something that you can can read. You don't even have to explain. But there is more to it, you know. Many times we talk about tragedies. People say it's not from God. Hitler did it. The Germans did it. Humans people did it. God cannot do it. Why? And then comes the flushing statement: My God cannot do such things. This is a man who created his own God. My God? You know, the Torah says we are in the image of God. This guy made God in his image. He went to the mirror and says, I don't do such things. My God cannot do it. If not, I, I'm firing him. I take another guy. <laughs> this idea that we decide what God can do and what God cannot do comes from, is really to a point not understanding what God is. Come from a point of denying God. Because if I would understand what God is, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't say it. God is God. Sometimes I understand what he's doing. Sometimes I don't. I have a question. I can argue. I can be angry. I can be sad. I can be happy. I can thank him. It's all fine and nice. But he's the boss. That's what is really, that's a deeper meaning. Can a man make God? Is to say, you decide how God should operate. And they say, God, people say, God, I want to know why, and all this, this. This whole language doesn't make sense, because first of all, we don't, know, we don't want to know why, we just don't want it should happen bad. But more than that, God, God's supposed to, he's unlimited, I'm limited. In a simple language, if I have $10 and he has $100, there is a relationship. $11 makes me closer to 100 $12, $9 must be a little photo for me. But if he has a million dollars and you have unlimited amount of dollars, no matter how much money you will have, he will never get closer to you because it's unlimited. The connection between, the, the relation with God and human is unlimited. So you're trying to understand God. It's a joke to even try to begin to, to do it. That's what he's really saying. You're not, you can, can a man be, can a man make God? Can we, we don't make God, God makes you. God make, you, are, you should be and I should be a reflection of God, not to try to make God a reflection of myself. Therefore, so. So this time I will let them know my might and power, and they will know that my name is God. They will know that my name is God. Not just believe in God, know that my name is God. What means to know? No, it's a, it's a familiarity to a level that uh, no, it's a that stars. 
does. <laughs> That's a good explanation. So, what does this mean? Knows means a relationship. An awareness, like you said. Many people say things. Many people believe. I met many people. Some people I know. As I said so many times, every 10 years your wife tells you, now I really know you. And it's usually not in a good <laughs> meaning. <laughs> and they say, oh, I, did, I thought you were a nice guy. I thought you were this. Now I really know you are. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened before she didn't know you? Every year, every day, people live together. They get to know each other more and more and more. The journey of a human being is from believing in God to know God. That's the job. One of the, I mentioned that many times, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe was standing, was coming out from a room and somebody told him, Rebbe, I knew your father. He looked at him and says, you know my father? You saw my father. You know my father, you know my father. Chaloimus. You saw my, you understand? Das, to know God. I, God says, I will make sure that they will know God, not just believing God like an abstract idea. Knowing God means when somebody was drowning you know, this week was the whole thing in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. The chart, first of all, the chairs are the wall down. <laughs> okay, the 200,000 people signed a petition how they, they, they killed the gorilla. To me, I saw God, it's a miracle. He could smash him in a minute. That the child survived, it was 10 minutes. More than 10 minutes. That the child survived is a miracle. That's called knowing God. When you see God in action, that means you know God. When we, if somebody who was on the plane that landed the Hudson River, he knows God. Believe me, he knows God. It's not just an idea. He knows God. He saw it. Okay, that's... Yeah, go ahead. It, uh, it says here, so this time. That's uh, it, referring to, it's like, not like before, but this... This time means when Jeremiah was speaking... It means in the beginning, the end of the of the destruction, the destruction of the first temple, he says basically, I will show the world that whoever I want to lead, the world will lead. At that time, God wanted Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, to lead the world, and the world didn't want to hear it. Not the Jewish world, and not the, not the rest of the world. Egypt didn't want to hear from it. All the other nations, and God said, I'll show them who is going to lead, who is going to be the boss because I want it. God can show the who is God. In many ways, it doesn't have to be necessarily through Jewish people or in a holy way. If we are lucky, that we are, we are the vehicle to show the world that there is God. If we, if we don't do this job, God says, I'll find somebody else. But I, have to, I, won't, I will teach them. I will reveal myself and show the end of God. That was the end of chapter 16 in the book of, uh, of Jeremiah. Now starts the real heavy stuff from the beginning of chapter 17. Yehuda sins. You want to start? Yehuda's sin is kept in their hearts as if were inscribed with an iron pen, pen uh, uh, with a steel nail. It is engraved on the walls of the hearts and of the horns of their altars. Okay. Yehuda's sin is, is engraved with an iron pen and a steel nail. Very strange description. Engraved in the heart. The sin is so, what does this mean? You are, we are so identified with the sin. We are so many years worshiping idols, so to speak, the Jews in the time of the first temple, that it's a part of them. It's not something, an outside thing that you do from time to time. See, some people, 
sports is their life. Others watch from time to time. I mean, what means when it's a part of you? It's, that's who you are. You know what Bechukotai means? The name of the parsha is Bechukotai. The, the literal meaning means in my, in my status, in my commands. Chok is a mitzvah that does not have a logical reason, like a brit milah, circumcision, like uh, eating kosher, not mixing milk and meat. That's a chok. But the word chok, hakika, has another meaning. Chesides Kame says hakika means engraved. God says, if you go with my commands, not go walk with my commands. When you when my commands are to be engraved in you, the goal is, the, and not only the goal, the reality is that Judaism is engraved in the Jew. And he can never get rid of it. I mentioned a few, I think a few times the story, there's a story about a Hasidic Jew in the 1940s. An old rabbi with a long white beard, he went from New York to Chicago to visit the Hasidim in Chicago. Before he left, he asked the Rebbe, the previous rabbi, the rabbi told them, go meet, there is a Mr. Listener in Chicago who comes from a Hasidic background, go visit him, fine. He walks in, he gets off the, the bus, the train station, where everybody's visiting, he's meeting him. He says, the Rebbe said to go meet Mr. Listener. First, going to the office, Mr. Listener. The Rebbe said, go to Mr. Listener. He doesn't, he doesn't go eat breakfast. He's going to Mr. Listener. He went to his office. He was so moved. He saw this great rabbi. He sat down. He started to ask him, where is your father? He actually knew his grandfather. He started to tell him stories about his family and his government. Mr. Listener was in the seventh heaven. At the end of the conversation, pulls out his checkbook, wants to write. He said, to who should I write the... He says, eh, eh, eh. I didn't come to the front place. And he says, why is a rabbi, an old rabbi coming? Is a rabbi from the from old rabbi comes from New York to Chicago to drink tea with me? Why were you? He told them like this. He told them, you know, in the Shtetlach used to be, you know, the, the Torah needs a scribe. A scribe writes Torahs and mezuzahs. But you have to check it from time to time. The letters could be erased because it's ink and parchment. Gets rubbed off over the years. Then the scribe comes and checks the Torahs. We actually checked the Torahs, sent the Torahs to a scribe and checked everything. And what in the old shtetlach, how much business can a scribe have in one shtetl? That used to be a traveling scribe. He used to go from shtetl to shtetl. That was his, that's how he made a living. He checked mezuzahs and film and Torahs. He says, I'm a traveling scribe. He tells him the rabbi, the old rabbi. He says, every Jew has the Torah written on them. But from time to time, some letters are being erased. The letters of kosher, the letters of Shabbos, the letters of this. I come and I'm, I'm the scribe. I fix the letters. He was very moved. He understood what, the, what he wanted to say. And finally left. Came back, the rabbi came back to New York. First thing goes into the Rebbe to give a report what was in Chicago. I do the Rebbe, I look at him and says, no, you met Mr. Listener? He said, yeah, I met Mr. Listener, and he tells him the whole conversation, and he gives him the, the explanation that he gave him, and he was very proud of himself, like he gave him. That was good. And the Rebbe was like, not so excited about the explanation. He looks at the Rebbe and says, what's wrong? 
He didn't have to ask. He was like, Rebbe told him like this. The letters of the Torah are parchment and ink, two separate things. And we attach them together. Therefore, they can get erased. The letters and the two tablets of the Ten Commandments are engraved in the stones. He says the letters of the, the Torah of the Jew is not like to attach things. There is ink and there is parchment and we put them together. No, no, no. Then it could be erased. The Torah and the Jew is engraved. It can never be erased. The only thing sometimes the Rebbe said, there is a little dust on top of it. We have to take off the dust and then the letters are shining, comes out. What does this mean? It means that the Jew is always, there is a Torah. Judaism is a part of him. Sometimes you don't see it. Clean up the dust a little bit. If you, the moment you clean up the dust, the shining will come out by itself. You don't even have to do anything. The letters will come out by itself. It's there already. You don't introduce them something new. It's there. And that's what's so important to understand. And that's Bechukotai. God says, I want the Torah to be engraved in your souls. And then, if, you, if it's engraved by you, because it's engraved, because you're one with the Torah, therefore, I'll give you all the blessings. I just saw the other day, a um, uh, uh, talk of the Rebbe, the Rebbe says, why is it by the other nations, God doesn't make, doesn't make any conditions? If you go in my commands, I'll give you rain. He never did it with the, with the Chinese. He gives them rain. There is always rain in the oil. No, no, no deals. If you, no, Moses never came to the, to the Indians and told them, if you obey my command, you get this, and if not, you get nothing. Why Jews need a condition? Why are we worse than the rest of the world? Why we what? Worse. Worse off, yeah. The rest of the world doesn't have the right rate. Why are we worse off? It's like almost like the fiddler on the roof, he says, God, maybe choose somebody else a little bit. Then the question is, why is it like this? Why is it connected? If you obey the commandment, you get it. If not, the Rebbe said like this. The Jew in the Torah is one. Therefore, it goes end in end. It just cannot, you cannot separate them. That if our identity is the Torah, that without that we get nothing. It's like a half a person. Like, almost like a married couple. There is certain rules, certain benefits that in, in, in a society, if you're a couple, you can file the taxes together. You can, How about I want to do it without my spouse? It doesn't work like this. If you have a couple, you get this, this, this benefits. If you don't, you don't. If we are coupled with the Torah, we get the benefits. If not, nobody else has the Torah engraved in them. Only we have it. Therefore, it's not God, why, why should we why, why should be connected to Torah? We should be separate. It's one, it's one identity. Not only merit, it's engraved. It's one, it's a blood and, the, and the, 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 the physical and the spiritual together. It doesn't go one without the other. Then here is the connection between the Parsha and the Torah. The Parsha speaks about engraving the Torah in the soul of the Jew. Here, the prophet Jeremiah is complaining about, he says, what is engraved in your soul? Idol worshiping is engraved in your soul. Instead, it should be engraved in your soul. Judaism, your source, you sink so low that it's engraved. Now we'll read it again. Yudasin. Yudasin is kept in their hearts as if it were inscribed with an iron pen with a steel nail. It is engraved on the walls of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. 
as, as frequently as they remember their children, they also remember their altars and their idol-worshipping trees near the leafy trees and on the high hills. Okay, that the Miso say they are so involved in idol-worshipping that that's their life. They're engraved in it. You cannot get rid of it. You know, actually, in the time of Jeremiah, they tried to get rid of it. Who was the king? Yoshiao? Yeah, Josiah was one. Josiah, well, he tried to get rid of all the idols. And look, he used to send police to destroy all the idols. These two idols behind the door. Yeah. When they walk out, okay. it's them. That was one of your Saturday things. It means to say, it's police tried to get it out. They couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> they couldn't get rid of the idol worshiping in the beginning of the, in the end of the first temple. It was, they were engraved in it. That's the connection. And instead of this, should be engraved in Judaism. Okay, we are number three, I think. O Yehuda, who serves idols which stand on mountains in the plain, I will hand over your wealth, all your treasure, treasures as booty because of your private altars made in sin throughout your boundaries. You will it, says, it says that the, the, the idols were on the, on the top of the mountain. What should be on top of the mountain? The temple, the only temple was built on top of the mountain. You know that the Jewish law says that you should build a shul in the top of the mountain. The shul should really be in some center, some other in town. And they should be here. In Jude, Jewish law says that you should not, if you build a city, you should not build a building taller than the shul. The shul should be the ice thing, skyscraper. I thought that the temple was built in like a shoulder. That was the whole... What is the It's not the exact top. What do you mean not the exact top? Like Benjamin? Yeah, exactly. What do you want to say? I don't understand what you there's mean. Was it the an, highest mountain? There's an analogy when, uh, when... I know the analogy. What do you mean to say? They didn't build it high enough? Well, the, the, I, I always thought the analogy was that when Joseph is crying, on I know, Benjamin, I know, I know. So that, it's on, that was built into the that's the shoulder. It's not. It's the not the head. Oh, that's the analogy. I, in physical, they build it in top of a mountain, and uh, and and the idea is in the Jewish law says that every in Kfar Chabad, the Rebbe did not allow to build any house taller than the shul. Only said two floors, because the shul has to be the highest. Yeah. has some interesting yeah. uh, commentary on this. He says, all the ancient cultures used to put their, you know, worship on the mountain. We did the same thing, or Abraham did the same thing. That's, that's the reason why Abraham did it on Mount Moriah, is they then said, no, the, the real people you got to worship on the top of the mountain is God, not the, not the idol. That's, I never heard it, but in the uh, Book of the Perplex, probably. Yeah, Guide to the Perplex, yeah. Yeah. Then, uh, but that's the, that's what he's complaining here. What you put in the top of the mountain? What you put in the top of the mountain is the most important thing. You understand? I mean, I was in the Ethnos by my kids. The the college is in the top. The whole I go, it's in the top of the mountain. Then that's a question. What is in top? What you what is glorified? Okay, we are number four, I think. You will be forced to withdraw from your inheritance, which I have given you, since you did not observe the sabbatical year, and I will make you serve your enemies in a land which you do not know. For you have killed a fire, kindled a kindled fire, a fire yeah. kindled a fire of anger in my nostrils, which will burn for a long time. The God says, if they will be exiled, 
Why? For which mitzvah that they didn't observe? The sabbatical. The sabbatical. It actually has to do with the parasha from last week. Mm-hmm. The sabbatical year. And therefore, the Jewish people were exiled for 70 years because 70 years, were 70 sabbaticals, they was, the land was supposed to rest, didn't rest. The God says, I'll chase you out, and the land will rest, and you come back. That's why this... Did you say 70? 70. 70. 70, seven over 800 and could something it, could years. Could it be seven, it's seven times? Yeah, seven times seven years. Yeah. No, should be more. You say that's doing the time of your first temple, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe before that, the obligation was not so big. What do you say? What? Oh, not all sabbaticals they were missing. Okay. That's what. That's got, why, because you kindled an anger in my in my in my nostril that will burn for forever, for a long time. Long time. It's interesting how they translate it. Whoa. But what's the? In Hebrew means forever. But forever. What's forever in Judaism? Olam. Olam. How much is Olam? Olam can be forever, but it can be a limited time too. What's the limited time? Also, we learned the last week's Pasha. Jubilee. Jubilee. Mm, that 50 years is Olam. It doesn't have to be forever and ever. That's why I said they translated for a long time, even that in Hebrew it's written, Ad Olam, forever. Tighten to soften it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, now comes the main part of the Torah. God says, God says, you will not escape my anger with mortal help. For cursed is the man who turns his thoughts away from God and puts his trust in man relying on mortal flesh for his strength. Okay. Cursed is the man who, will, who, who is not trusting God, but is trusting men. He relies on men. Well, what, did, what is he talking about in their times? First of all, it was the idea why they didn't walk, uh, why they walk the land on, on sabbatic. Because they didn't believe they can rely on God. They thought, we need to eat something. <coughs> God, God, we need to eat. We need to do something. On a higher level, Jeremiah told them to go and to give in to the Babylonian king, right? That was the goal. Right. What, came, what, what they did, they relied on me, Egypt. Egypt is going to help us. Egypt is going to save us. We cannot rely on God's messages. We know what it's right. That's what he says. Cursed is the man who relies on human beings. And he's, uh, he uses the word gever and adam. It's two expressions of, of, of a human being. But go ahead. A person who trusts in man alone will be like a tree in the desert, which does not witness the good when it comes. For when it rains everywhere else, it does not rain in the desert. He will dwell in scorched places in the wilderness, in a salt, sodden soil that is not inhabitable. Then what is he saying? A man who is, who is, who is trusting in men alone, a person who is trusting men alone, means to say like this, there is many levels in trust. There is a trust that you trust in God, but you rely on, you're going to walk. That's, he talks about somebody who doesn't trust in God whatsoever. He relies on men alone. That he will be like a dwindling, how he gives the description? Tree, you, a tree in the be desert. like a tree in the desert. Like a tree in the desert that doesn't get any rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Salty, salty, yeah. Like a salty uh, land is yeah. 
Then this, what should he do? Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who trusts in God and to whom God will be his trust. Oh, okay, what does this mean? First of all, it sounds like it's repeating itself. Blessed is the man who is trusting God and, and when God he will be trust, right? What does this mean? We just read it. Yeah, we read it. Yes, now I know. What is to trust in God? It's, it's saying that God's going to have a, a You know, on the dollar, what's written on the dollar? God we trust. Let's see, what's written on the dollar? What's the man right there? I don't have a dollar, I have only five. It's written on all of them, God we yeah, trust, it only is. on the dollar? Yes. It's the it's sort really, of the model. In God we trust, right? It's not written here, in God we believe. No, the Rebbe is to give out dollars for charity. Once came the chief rabbi of Hepa, he's still alive, he's like 90 years old almost. The Rebbe gave him a whole bunch of dollars. And the Rebbe calls him back. Because the Rebbe is to give out dollars for charity. He's to give out to people to give out others. The Rebbe called him back and he told him, you know what's written on the dollar. He's an Israeli. In God we trust. He says, yeah, yeah. Because Paul the driver calls him back. He tells him, the difference between belief and trust is from one world to the other. What means to believe in God? And what means to trust in God? Belief hmm? is an intellectual thing. Trust is follow God's promises. Well, belief doesn't mean that God will take care of you. If you... you believe that everything that happens to you is from God. I'm not saying it's going to be good. <laughs> trust is another level. Trust means that you trust God, you trust your children with your in-laws, sometimes. <laughs> you trust your children with your spouse, with your wife. Yeah, the wife does not always trust your children with you. <laughs> you trust her with the children. What does this mean? Whatever happens, she will do she will try, she will do the best what she can for the kids. You know that for sure. She has the interest of the kid, the best interest of the kids in her heart. That means trusting God. Trusting God is not just believing in God. It's our own different relationship with God. You know, there is, there is a custom in some traditions, maybe it's even here, maybe it's a marzo, um, to recite the chapter of the manna every day. God gave the manna to the Jewish people. Why? Because it's, it's the proof of trusting God. The people who ate manna, they had nothing. They were completely hanging on God. Their whole faith was dependent on God. There is manna, there is what to eat. No manna, nothing to eat. The message says, you know, the manna, because it's written some places, that they got the manna and they ate it. Other places it's written that they used to, they had to cook it, they had to prepare it. Other places it's written that to go out of the, of the camp to look for it. Then the Medrash says, the tzaddikim got it by the door. The middle guys got it, had to go outside to the main street. The wicked one had to go outside of the city. Basically, the less, the less righteous you were, you got it, you went out more. What, what, how you measure, what type of righteousness? The people who said, who said amen, guided by the door, 
There's the people came to shul every day, got it by the door. The people came only Shabbos, got it on the main street. People came only in Kippur, got it outside. How are you? Who trusted the most? The, the, I saw today on the Rebbe's talk, the Rebbe says, it was all dependent how much trust of God you had. The bigger the trust, the more you'll get. The trust in Hashem is your vehicle for the blessing. Even speaking, the Rebbe said, even speaking about trust of God brings the, 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 the protection of God. That's the charm of the... Speaking about that creates it. Believing is one thing, speaking is even more. The more you're involved in that, the more, to, the more you get. That's what trusting God is. That the tzaddikin, the very, the people who were very at the high levels trusting God, they did not have to go anywhere. They opened the door, it came to the door. The people were all saying, yeah, we trust in God, but you know, we have to do, they had to do something. The people had less trust in God, they had to work harder. Then the more trust of God you have, you are creating the channel, the vessel for the blessing. The story about the Balshant of passed by on the street, he knocked on the door. And a window of somebody. He knew that is one of his chassidim. The moment he'll knock on the window, you'll understand that he needs money and he'll come and bring him. He says, for me, it was enough. This was the vessel for my, for my blessing. I didn't need more than that. That if you have a lot of trust in God, a knock on the window is enough. If you have less trust of God, you have to get up in the morning to go to work. If you have less trust in God, even when you go to work, then necessarily it works out. You understand? The more trust we have, the, the, the more we are creating the vessel for the blessing of Hashem. You know the whole story with Joseph? Joseph was in jail, right? How long was Joseph was in jail? 12 years. How long was he supposed to be in jail? 10. Joseph was 10 years in jail. By the end of the 10 years, show up the two angels. The butler and the baker, right? Oh, the two good guys. One of them, he told them, they had a dream. Joseph told them, guys, you will be killed. And the other guy told them, you'll go get back a new job. But please, 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 don't forget me. Please don't forget me. You stand in front of Pharaoh, tell him, I am an Ibu boy. I am sitting in jail for no reason. He's Kartani. And now he told them, Remember, don't forget, remember me. And then the Pasha Smiki said with one word. And, and, and Joseph and the, and the butler did not remember Joseph and he forgot them. Two things. He didn't remember. And if you didn't understand clearly what we meant, he said he forgot. It's just important to see in the text, inside what happened. Just this last line. I mean, it's Pasha's, the end of Pasha's Vayeshe. On page 267. Um, if you look in the text, the last line, but the day the chief butler did not remember Yosef, and he forgot them later on too. Forget of the parentheses. He did not remember him and he forgot him, right? Rashi says, I ashamed I don't have the Rashi clear enough here. Basically, 
he forgot them, and he ended up sitting on other tutorials. That's how the next partial starts. And if you turn one page, at the end of two years, what means the end of two years, he was sitting on extra two years. Rashi says, now go back to page 267. Um, I'll tell you what Rashi says. Rashi quotes the line from our of Torah. Similar line, actually. Gashi says, because Joseph put his trust in the bottler and nothing got, he set another to his. I mean, we all know the story. You know the story about the guy who was, was in drowning and came a, came a boat to save him. And he says, no, I trust God. Then he was the water got higher, gets on the roof, and he's in, in another uh, calm. And then came an helicopter the third time. He says, I'll save you. No. And in the end, he's, he's drowning. He comes to God. He says, God, I trusted you. Me were you. He says, I sent you three opportunities. He said, your boat. I sent you. And I said, your helicopter, where are you? What were you thinking? Joseph is sitting here in jail. If Joseph wouldn't speak to the bottler, it would be a crime. There is a guy who's going to see Pharaoh in an hour. Joseph is in jail for life. No, nobody knows him. Think about it. An Hebrew boy has not one family or friend in Egypt. A slave that the family gave up and sold him. He has no chance to get And what he wanted to, he's accused of rape, trying to rape the woman of the chief executioner. Joseph did not have a chance in the world to get out of jail. Forever. And here comes to him the butler and he showed him God gave him the power to re if he wouldn't tell him remind me by Pharaoh it would be a crime. What is the law? What do you want from Joseph? Say, oh Bochagever, blessed is the man who has trust in God and God is his trust. Then there is many explanations. One explanation is that Joseph had to talk to the bottler, but not to trust the bottler. Not to put his hope in the bottler. He's going to save me. You know, you're, starting, you, you're looking for a job. This is going to be the job. This is going, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a job. And if God has for you something better, what are you, giving, what are you telling him what to do? God has for you something better. It means to say, trust in Hashem. People say, oh, I trust the government, I trust this. I don't trust anybody. Trust, I trust God. I hope this guy will do it and this guy will. But more than that, some commentaries say that for Joseph, for Joseph, for the level of men like Joseph, we expected he should have trust in God and God should be his trust. Not anything in between. Not he should trust in God and work with somebody else. A man like Joseph should say, if God wants me out, he will get me out. How? It's got, I mean, because what happened in the end? The butler didn't remember him, and he still came out on you, right? 
True to the bottler, but without remembering him, Pharaoh had a dream and he was angry and the bottler came, oh, but the bottler was afraid he would kill him. He says, yeah, I remember we had a, guy, a Jewish boy in here, an Hebrew boy in jail. That God found a way to get you out, right? And what, are you, what are you helping God? Who asked you to help God? Who asked you to help God? God can do it very well without you. As long as you don't ruin it, you know what I mean? Stick our noses in too many places and trying to help God. Let God do, do his thing. That's what blessed is the man who is in God, trusting God and God is, into, is his trust. That means to say that only God is his trust. He doesn't need anybody. It's a very high level of bitochum. It's an unbelievable level of faith in God. It's going to work out. After that, I'm thinking, don't worry. The Jews were standing by the sea. What Moses told them? Don't do anything. Don't do any favors. Some people want to go to war. Some people want to jump into the water. Some people want says, don't do me any favors. Stand straight and God will do everything. But, but there's that line that you just described with the, with the lifeboat and the three chances. There's a line that says, well, if you do really nothing, how do you know where that line is? Oh, 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 very good. Yes, 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 yes. I know. I have the same question. <laughs> I'll tell you. I told you the three levels of mana. Hmm. As much trust you have, that's how much you have. Um, the much you have to do, you don't have to. You cannot pretend that you have trust, you understand? It has to be real. If I reach this level, I don't have to do anything. But if I'm not there, I cannot pretend that I'm there. There's a Chabad in California is to fundraise big money. He says, if you cannot get a million dollars from your community, you don't have faith in God. <laughs> Hear the line. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good line. He said, more millions. He said, if you cannot, if you, if you're not a hostage, you're not done a faith in God, forget about it. It's your problem. It might be right, but you cannot pretend it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're there, this guy's there. If you're there, God bless you. But if you're not there, don't pretend that you're there. See, my father had a lot of children. He had a high level of faith in God. But you have to be there. Not, and you have to walk on yourself to reach there. Faith in God is a matter of talking, you know? The more you talk about it, the more you, you build up your faith. If you never talk about your, your friend, you don't miss him. The more you start to talk about him, the more you miss him. Who are you talking to about God? <laughs> Who you talk to? To people who are ready to listen. How come uh, Jacob bypasses uh, Joseph with the blessing? What do you mean bypasses? He gives a blessing uh, to Manasseh and Ephraim. He's not, not bypassing him. He doesn't bypass him, but it's he not said a positive. To, no, it's, he made from him two, two tribes instead of one. He gave him more. He gave okay. him more than, 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 than he gave to other, the other tribes. But for example, it's written about Jacob. Do not fear Jacob. Obviously, he, was fe- he had fear. If Hashem has to tell him, Al Tiro, don't be afraid of going down to Egypt. Obviously, he had fear. God tells Moses, don't fear to fight Og, Sihon and Og, the giants. Obviously, they feared. That means even by them was time to dead more faith, time to dead less faith. It means faith is not, it's, it's, it's functioning, it's like going up and down. 
it's not like stone, it's not like a piece of cake, it's there and you put a chip in and it's there. It's a constant struggle that a human being has. And that's what he's talking here, about the faith that a person should have. Let's read number seven. Blessed is the man, again, right? Who's supposed to read it? Yeah, you. He will be devoid of problems, like a tree planted by water, which sends its roots out into a stream, so it is not affected by the coming of the heat, and its leaves remain fresh. It does not worry in a year of drought, and it never stops producing fruit. Likewise, the person who trusts in God will be devoid of problems and never lack anything. Oh, 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 oh. Now, this is what sounds good, right? The point is a person who has faith, he stands on a strong ground. His roots are much stronger. Indeed. People of faith survive things better. It doesn't mean, you know, sometimes people get closer to Judaism, then things get bad. But he says to him, people come to complain, he tells me, I get closer to Yiddishkeit, and that's what's happening to me. But the rich answer is, because God saw, foresaw, that you're going to have challenges in life, he brought you closer, that you have the strength to deal with it. People who, are, who have souls who are more, who have faith, are the tree is stronger. It's not every wind falls them down, make them fall down. That's what, that's, what the, that's what faith gives you, the strength to deal with the challenges that a person has in life. And that's what he says, even when it's a drought, even when the rain doesn't come, he will continue to, have, to give fruit. That's, that's in the ethics of the fathers. That's, that's, it's quoted from the Book of Psalms. Oh, Book of Psalms. Right? Now, this is a great sentence. Number nine. But the heart of man is the most crooked of all. Most crooked of all his limbs and it is warped. It says, who will know if I really trust in God or not? Yeah, because, um, because the, the, the problem with the heart of a person, it's uh, in five minutes, it changes five opinions. I mean, five minutes in one minute. He loves, he hates, he believes, he doesn't believe, he has trust in him. That's a problem. But God, so? So I, God, probe the heart and test the kidneys to see where each person really holds. Repay. What, what is the, uh, the uh, medical says about the kidneys? In Judaism, the kidneys are, so to speak, giving you advice, giving you... Uh, I've read that in Judaism. I, I don't know if the medicine describes that the kidneys are doing that, but it, it, it's filtering, it's, it's receiving most of the blood in the body, so it has... Maybe it's it, just it, a... A metaphorical concept. It's more of a metaphorical. God, the kidneys means God goes all the way to inside of you to really see who you are. I guess I'm in trouble. Kiss, I get kidney stones. stones all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You should have other stones. <laughs> have no stones. Um, okay, continue. I'm sorry. Okay, so, yeah. uh, uh, to see where each person really holds, repaying each man according to the ways of his heart and the product of his thoughts, which are the deeds of the heart. Uh-huh. The product, you got Okay, number 11. One who amasses wealth unjustly is like a cuckoo which hatches eggs that it did not lay and is only a matter of time until the chicks realize 
that this is not their mother and run away. Likewise, the wealth will leave him during his life and ultimately he will be exposed as a scoundrel. What is he saying? It's an amazing uh, metaphor. Mm -hmm. Like a, a cuckoo. A cuckoo bird. It's a bird who is laying, who is uh, sitting on, on, on eggs. Sitting? What's called? Not sitting. It's a... Laying on the laying on the eggs. Laying on the eggs, and it's not his. It could be two of two things could happen. Sometimes it's too many eggs that you cannot warm them all up, but they, they go, the waste, being wasted. Or if they already go out and it, something comes out, they discover it's not their mother. They run away. So too a person that takes wealth that doesn't belong to him, and if it doesn't belong to you, one way or another, it will fly away or disappear. You'll lose it. You'll not benefit from it. And that's what he's, he's talking about, a person. He, in the middle of his life, he will already lose it, and he will be left with a, He will be exposed as a scoundrel. Mm -hmm. What's a scoundrel? It's a, uh, a person that's kind of... Bad person. Almost like, a, almost like a thief. Yeah. Sort of like a crook. Yeah. It looks like a crook. It looks like a crook or a rotten person. Shiny yeah. left with nothing. It means to say, you know what lays here behind there? There's a statement of fate. Judaism says, Exodus is, is, is very strong about it, that whatever is meant to be used will be used. Nobody can take away what belongs to you. Nobody can take away a scent that belongs to you. And if you think you take away somebody else's scent, you lose it. It's not yours. If it's not yours, it's not meant to be. That you lose it on fixing the refrigerator, you lose it on doctors, God forbid, you lose it. It's not yours. But a person who has faith knows that whatever belongs to him will come to him. Because what happens? People run to work. I don't have time to die for life to go to work. Hashem decided on Rosh Hashanah how much money you're going to make. You're not going to make a cent more, my friend. And not a cent less. Yeah, if you don't go to work at all, you may not make anything. <laughs> That's for sure. You have to work. But the vessel of Hashem, actually today, we see people who work more hours make less money. The less you work, the more you make. That's the reality of, of, the, of, of the world of today is. Because how much you can make, you can make, give one good deal, one good customer, and your day is done. And you can drain a crop and make phone calls and go and meet it, and nothing will come out. You can edge it, you can sit on many eggs, and nothing will come out, gurnished. And you can sit on one egg. And if it's the right egg, you have everything. That's another expression that he wants to make a point, Prophet Jeremiah, that it's all about having what belongs to you and not trying to get what is not yours. You reading? Just like your throne of glory exalted since the beginning of time, so too the divine presence dwells down here in our holy temple. Since God has placed his presence among us, Israel's hope should be only with him. Anyone who abandons you, God, and trusts in man deserves to be ashamed. Now he says like this, God came down at the temple and he's among us. And we are still having faith in other things. We see God, we have God, we have the real thing. And we go to, to look for, for false things, 
somebody who has a million dollars and is going to look some help by poor people. You have, you have food, you have the healthy food, and you're going to look for bad food, and so on and on. And we, the Jewish people, have to look in other places, in other religions. There are stories about uh, Jewish boys who end up in the Far East, and the Dalai Lama told them, you're Jewish? What are you doing here? Go. It's in your own backyard. Now there's a famous story about uh, the Pope. The chief rabbi of, Je of Israel came to visit the Pope. He looks, he sees behind the desk, he sees there a red telephone. He says, what is this? He says, this is a telephone for God. May I use it? He said, sure. He's on the phone, he talks to God like for 10, 15 minutes. Then he asks him, how much is that? He says, $450. A few years later, the Pope is coming to visit in Israel, goes to Jerusalem, he walks into the chief rabbi, he sees the red telephone, he says, you? He says, after I saw it by you, I got it too. <laughs> okay. Got it too. He says, may I use it? He says, sure. He's talking on the phone. He says, how much is it? There's a quarter. He says, a quarter? He says, it's a local phone. Local phone. <laughs> <laughs> a local call. <laughs> a local call. <laughs> <laughs> they, by the Jewish people, we have it in our own backyard. If we go to the, to, to, to the Far East to look for religions, for spirituality, people say sometimes you can hear Jewish kids, they, they, they joined other religions because they, couldn't find they didn't find spirituality in there because nobody ever gave it to them. We have to go to look for spirituality somewhere else. We have it by, in our own home. That's what he says. We have God's throne right here among us, and we're going to other places, should be ashamed. Number, okay. God says, those who turn away from me. God says, those who turn away from me will be inscribed in a book signifying that they will descend into the depths of the earth, where they've abandoned God, the source of living waters. The source of living waters. Life, that's all about, it's all about. Maim Chaim, that's what the Torah said. Living water is, for example, a uh, uh, spring is living water. Constantly renewing. Then he finished with a very powerful line. Go ahead. Only when you heal me, O Shem, will I be healed. Only when you save me from those that rise against me will I be saved. I praise myself in saying that you are my uh, God who saved me. That we are for any Hashem very often. God, cure me. Only you can cure me. All the doctors are nice and fine. But the doctors are messengers of God. And we need God to cure us. That's what we need. And if God, you know what the power about, what's good about God's cure? God is in the business of preventive medicine. He doesn't make you sick to begin with. That's what's so good. And that's what the world is finally coming to this concept of preventive medicine. Instead of funding, of creating medication to cure all the problems, we called it before, it's all about preventive and living a better lifestyle and healthier life. It's all about preventive medicine. And now they, even the system in America is they, they kind of reward the, the doctors. If the patient didn't come back within five days to the hospital, the, the, the hospital gets more money or something. Because it's all about trying to make sure that the person is prevented from, from being sick. That when Hashem, you know that the Baal Shem Tov says that with every doctor goes an angel. 
with a, with a big doctor goes Malach Refoil, the great, the great cure, doctor, uh, angel of cure, goes with a big doctor. That's why Jewish people look for the best doctor. Not because of the doctor. The angel concept. He's a bigger than angel. Big angel. And Hashem, the, the doctors have to know that they have angels to the next to them. And when the doctor is humble and understand that he's just a vehicle to Hashem's blessing, then he's more successful.